0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realize their true career potential. Yeah, this past month, we were all about forwarding the action for the individual worker, contemplating opening businesses, people who were trying to pivot to different careers people who just wanted to be promoted and they still weren't getting anywhere. So we gave considerations you talked to experts about how to make that leap easier. Today, we're gonna tie this month up in a neat little bow as we start November. Can't even believe we've gotten through 10 months of this year. Now we're on to month 11, and we're going to talk about forwarding the action as a leader of an organization who themselves want to stop the bleeding and start engaging people by initiating things like career paths and guiding people's careers from the inside out so that they don't leave in search of greener pastures. And to do this on an intricate level, we invited Sharissa Sebastian to 52 Weeks. Is the CEO of Leadership Mastery Alliance. She is a leadership and executive coach who is highly educated in the fields of technology leadership. She's her PCC certification from the ICF, as well as being a Myers-Briggs certified practitioner. She's over 15 years of corporate leadership experience. And my favorite thing about Sharissa, because this is definitely on my bucket list, she is a TEDx speaker and she's a TEDx speaker coach. She's an award-winning international keynote speaker and a writer for Forbes and the Huffington Post, among other things. And we are blessed and really humbled to have her in the studio today. So, Sharissa,
1: welcome to 52 Weeks. Thanks, Andrea. I'm so excited to talk about this particular topic. So, ready to go, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you one of the
0: things that you and I talked about before we started talking about even getting on this podcast is our joint belief that leadership can make or break your experience and i think that's a universal thought you yourself and i worked a lot in the field of organizational development and we focused a lot on fixing things that were broken so that the bleeding stopped so I can't think of a better person to have in our studios to talk about that and really empowering the individual through career pathing so tell us a little bit about some of your experiences to where you are today professionally
1: absolutely so um there was a key like a pivotal point in my career where I just, Was heading towards well, basically experiencing a lot of what my my clients experience, um, you know, when they come to me for for help. And I got to a point in my corporate career where, even though I loved leadership and I loved you know my job and a lot of aspects of it, but I was getting pulled more and more into doing things and more on the business side of things and decision making, all of that, which was great. But the problem with that is that it wasn't really aligned really well with what I what my passion was, which is helping my team, supporting them, figuring you know helping them figure out their next step and helping them carve that path for themselves and and find that success that they were looking for. And so I love that part. That's the part that really energized me and drove me in my career. But I was just being like spread way too thin um, towards the end of my corporate career.
2: And then I started to realize, okay, there's something that has to give here. Because when I started looking at the next step for my my career, like the logical next step, I just couldn't see myself, um, you know, keep going at that that pace. And also, you know, I was a single mom at that time. And so trying to juggle everything just became absolutely crazy. And so that's when I found coaching and through that coaching journey is where I, you know, really realized that this is so much more aligned with what I love and and how passionate I am about this particular area, because it's so much my journey and it's my experience. And so my mission and my passion right now is really to help to not let any other leaders stay stuck in the place that I was, but to help them to navigate. Because there's so many, as you know, organizational development and organizational behavior and all these, there's so many different aspects that you need to be aware of and you need to know how to lean into as a leader. Um, to really make it work, not just for you in, in your career, but also for those that you have the responsibility to lead. And so that's so much um, of, you know, what I'm passionate about. And, and I help my leaders with, So I don't know if that answers the question. Um, but that's kind of a little bit of background, but also to let you know, you know, pretty much why I do what I do and, and what I do right now.
0: It's performance review time. I think many leaders right now hate this time of year (laughs) because they're filling out performance reviews and it's tedious and it's time consuming. And some of those conversations may turn out to be difficult and nobody likes to be the bearer of bad news. This is the time of year when people gauge their development. Where am I going with this company? Where am I going in my career? Does this manager support me? What progress has been made? What are the trends that you are seeing regarding career tracks outside of leadership? So what are you seeing companies doing to help ingratiate their employees and show support for their development?
2: And that's such a great question, because the world that we live in and the corporate space that we live in right now is shifting, right? There's, it's no longer the way it used to be 10 years ago, where there was almost a singular track. So if you decided that you you know, you know chose your career, and then there was like the straight path of, okay, the next step is to get into leadership, and then the next step is to go up the ladder. But right now, there's people are realizing that there's so much more that they can get out of their career rather than just taking that track. So I love that you brought this up, because I am seeing a trend for sure, especially over the last um, few years. Um, and I think this stems from people being more comfortable advocating for themselves and saying, You know what? Yes, I you know maybe I would be a good leader, or that's something you know that uh, that I could consider. But at the same time, I feel like there's a different track that I could potentially take that where I don't need to to be a leader to progress in my career. And I think because of a lot of those initial conversations,
1: companies are now starting to realize more and more that the leadership track is not necessarily the only path to career growth and progression. But what I'm starting to see more and more, especially in, the, I'm starting to see this a lot
2: more in the, in the tech space, in the engineering space, in the scientific space, because a lot of times people, and I'll take the science and research uh, space as an example, even engineering for that matter. A lot of times when people get into those fields, it's because of the love of technology, the love of innovation, the love of the research and you know that type of work. And so a lot of people are starting to find that even if they've been in their, their career for like a few years, they love that so much that they don't want to give up so much of that to focus more on, on leadership, but they actually want a path to develop, continue to develop and grow, grow, but not let go of the very thing that made them you know, start on that track to their profession. So more specifically, what I'm noticing is that companies are starting to come up with these different tracks. And I've heard it uh, described in different ways. So they can be um, a people versus a technical or technology track. So the people track would be more along the leadership side of things. Um, and then the technical track would be more, um, that would look like a principal scientist or a principal architect or a principal engineer or something like that. I've seen that title used um, used a lot. Uh, for people that don't want to stay on the technical track, don't necessarily want to have the responsibility of leading a team. They want to be individual contributors. Um, they do mentor other people and things like that. So it's not that they don't enjoy that aspect of it, but they, they actually spend a lot of their time on the technical aspect and continue to grow that skill and, and strengthen you know, the, um, the ability to do, have an impact in that way. So those are the main things. I'm seeing either a leadership and, um, and technology track or like a people versus technical track where it'll still allow them to progress in their career, but not at the expense of um, them having to give up what they love to do.
0: In terms of development, this seems to be the time of year that people really assess. But in your practice and experience, how often should people really be checking in on career development? Is it quarterly? Is it biannually? What's optimal?
2: Yeah. And that that does vary depending on the process that they go through and how in-depth that is and, and things like that. There's a lot of factors in that. But generally speaking, I always tell my leaders that um, most of them will have, you know, regularly scheduled one-on-one meetings with their, you know, with their teams. And so what I, I usually recommend is even though the, you know, the big performance review cycle is usually once a year or maybe sometimes it's twice a year is to have um, m- monthly check-ins with the team. It doesn't have to be anything formal, but even just um, you know informal check-ins and also having milestones along the way. Because I think a lot of times what gets overwhelming for a lot of leaders when they think about performance review is they they don't uh, do that consistently throughout the year. So that when performance review time comes, it's like a big scramble, right? To try to figure out, okay, let me reflect on this year and figure out what have they done and what feedback can I provide and what's their next step. It's all, it all gets crammed into a very short timeframe. Um, So I think doing that and checking in um, along the way uh, throughout the year is really beneficial. I usually recommend um, once a month, but if that's not doable, at least once every three months or once a quarter or something like that, but also just, it's not even just like, okay, we're going to throw a check-in on the calendar. It's being very intentional with that time and saying, okay, what did we set up as, you know, as like maybe a development plan or things that, um, that you need to focus on for growth and development. And then how are we tracking? What does success look like? How are we tracking that success? When we check in at this, Particular point in time, what needs to happen to make sure that we both are aligned on you know whether or not you're on the right path, and if not, what do I need to do as, a, as your leader to you know to readjust and to make sure that I'm helping and supporting you in the way that you need to be supported, and then also getting feedback, so like a 360 and things like that, so that there's multiple ways to make sure that um, that person on your team is really set up for success. So that's kind of a process that I coach my leaders through, not waiting until that six month cycle or the year cycle, also to make it easier on them. So that it's, there's no surprises, right? When that six months comes along and they've also documented, they have this documentation and they're uh, showing progress. So it's easy to just pull it up and say, okay, this is exactly what's happened at at every step of the way. And so when it comes to performance review, it's easy to just tie it all together and that process doesn't become so overwhelming. And there's no surprises on the part of, uh, you know, your... um, your team members either right because no one likes that no one likes to go six months and not be told anything or given any constructive feedback and then all of a sudden you have this list of things and it's like i didn't know <laughs> you didn't tell me this um so okay. that's why i also encourage those check-ins because there should never be any big surprises when it comes to performance review conversations
0: I fully agree with you. I think that people make it a chore by not giving periodic feedback that they can't just okay. cut and paste into an annual document and then say, quarter one, you worked on this. Here was your progress. And quarter two, this, that, at a minimum. But I love what you said about monthly because. A very good quote that was once told to me by a former leader, it was an executive leader at Procter and Gamble, and said to me very candidly early. I think I was like a mid-level trainee manager. I don't even think I had ascended the ranks yet. And he said to me, Here's something that I really want you to adopt as a principle of leadership. Leaders will check in with you on a consistent basis and not just talk to you about performance metrics. They won't just say, here's where you are quarter to date, quarter to goal. Here's how your KPI indices are working. And it won't come down to dollars and cents or metrics. It'll come down half the time to that, but half, three quarters of the time should be devoted to. How you perform, what are you good at? What are the skills needed to bridge the gaps that may exist? It's much more about leading people to, towards success than managing numbers. Be a leader, not a manager. And I thought that was amazing advice. And you just basically yeah. knocked it out of the park, with pulling it through And how it, important it is for people to have consistent periodic updates in their performance mm-hmm. so that they know how they're doing. There's no ambiguity to the growth curve. What should that conversation look like when they get into the conversation? What should that conversation about performance yeah. management look like?
2: So um, there's a couple of different um, aspects of this. And actually, you touched on this in what you just said. And I think um, I definitely don't want to overlook this because I, I, it also shouldn't feel like you're just checking a box. right? It shouldn't be like, OK, we're checking in on these five things. So when we, we get into this meeting, this is the agenda. And then we go through the list and that's the end of it. Um, a, a very key piece of this is for the and the leader has a responsibility. So leaders have a responsibility to make sure that. Um, they, you know, their employees or the, you know, their team members um, really feel like they have a vested interest in their own like, growth and development, personal growth and development as well as professional. So one of the things that's so important for a leader to, to get right is to like, truly care about them as people, not just, okay, what are your KPIs? Are you meeting these objectives? But let me get to know you as a person. Let me get to know what matters to you, like, what motivates you, what inspires you? How do you like to receive feedback? Um, you know, what are what are the ways that um, that helps you to be more engaged in your work? What types of things really, you know, excite you in your work? And so having those types of conversations more on like a let me get to know you as a person um, can really help with those check-ins and can really help with um, figuring out what the right path is, what the right goals are. But also when you're checking in um, to realign, right? And to say, okay, what's working, what's not? Are we taking the right approach in getting to these goals? So once you have the goals outlined, It's also checking in with, okay, what has happened up to this point? How have you, what have you done? What has your approach been to try to get you closer to these goals? Um, And if something is not right, then also checking in with the person and and having a coaching conversation is is oftentimes very effective, right? Getting them engaged, empowering them to try to figure out, okay, how can they get back on track? Um, But also checking in with the experience, right? What are you good at? How can you best leverage the skills that you already have? To, to get back on track or to to try to achieve these goals. So I think it's a, there's a number of things when it comes to what to cover in that meeting. First of all, just an overall check-in, right? Just say, okay, how, how are you doing? Let me check in with you as a person first. Um, what's been going on in the last month or the last few months or whatever the case is? Um, just to make sure that you know, you're know you getting the the bigger picture as well. It's not just, let's just get down to the details, but it's about like getting to, making sure that the, the person that you're checking in with is in a good state of mind and a good place to be able to actually have the conversation. And then you can get into kind of the details of that. Okay, let's check in with, we, uh, let's pick up where we left off before. So at the end of our last conversation, this is where we were, this is what we talked about, this is what you committed to, this is what I committed to as your leader to support you. And then it's looking forward into, oh, it's like actually part of that reflection is saying what's working, What it's got almost like that start, stop, continue exercise. Mm -hmm. so what do you need to start going forward What do you need to stop you know going forward what's working what's not working and then what do you need to continue what's already working well to you know to get you on track or to help you to get to that goal so what do you need to continue so just a kind of a check-in and a reflection of what's working what's not and so you can make any adjustments and then it's also looking forward so based on progress up to this point does it still make sense to have that next uh, next check-in you know one month from now and does the goal that we have for that next check-in still align with where you are right now and also, support is so important, right? Like, what, um, you can you can ask your your team member, what are you doing that's going to help you to get to that goal? Are there resources that you're leveraging? Are there people in your team that you're reaching out to for help? What are you doing to to help you? And also, um, what can I do, right, on my end as a leader, to help and support you and to you know kind of fast track you on this uh, on this path so that you're you know I'm increasing the likelihood of of your success. So there's several different um, different things, but I think just um, overall, just making sure that the person knows that you are genuinely invested in not just the next step in their career and getting meeting those KPIs and business objectives, but also in helping them as a person to navigate where they are and to navigate their own growth, and also helping to empower them to take ownership of that area as well, while still being there in that leadership role as before.
0: I love the nature of alignment that you're bringing to the surface here because. I do feel that it is as much about the work that you're doing as it is about you knowing what next step you want to take in your career and taking some ownership of that. The word ownership really stood out to me in your explanation. What does self-advocacy look like when you're trying to get ahead in your career? Because I think a lot of people think they're doing it, and I'm not quite sure they are. (laughs) So can you define it for us?
2: Yes, and this is actually one of those areas that um, I've noticed is a gap. There's definitely a gap here as far as expectation goes when it comes to what people expect of their leaders, when it comes to their career growth and development, but also what the leaders' expectations are of their, you know, of their direct reports. And so, what I mean by this gap is a lot of times we have this assumption, or especially like in the past, there was this assumption that your leader should pretty much lay out that path for you, right? Lay out the track and say, okay, this is where you're going next. This is what you need to work on. And here's the options for where you go next. But things are are shifting a lot more now where leaders are looking to their, you know, to their employees to say, okay, what do you want? You have to tell me, you know, what you want so that I can best uh, help you. So that bridge, I can, you know, I I can see that gap kind of closing in a little bit more because people are starting to recognize this more and more. They're like, oh, wow. Okay. That means I need to take more ownership of this process, not just doing the work, but actually um, take more ownership in the actual part and figuring out what is that, that, you know, that I need to do. So I think part of that adv- uh, advocacy has to start with um, self-reflection and knowing yourself really well and also keeping track, right, of like, okay, what what do you love to do in your in your job? If you could just do, you know, those tasks all day, every day, with like, would you be in that flow state? What, what is it? How can you ad- identify those things that really help you to come alive, to be engaged, where you feel like you're contributing, where you feel like you're making a difference and having that impact. Because a lot of times that is, you know, very important, right, to um, your sense of performance at work. So it's for your, you know, for each individual to um, to have them to just be more aware of how they're showing up and what's working for them and what's not. What do they enjoy doing? What do they not? And then also the things that they um, they're really curious about. So maybe they work with different teams and different people and they're like, oh, you know, their job seems really interesting. I would love to learn more about that. So the self-advocacy really needs to start with that self-awareness, being really aware of who they are as individuals, what are they inter- their interests, what are, they, what are their strengths, what are they known for, you know, what do people come to, who are they, like, if they're a go-to person for, for certain things, so they, the feedback that they get. So the feedback is also part of this process of, like, you know, creating the fuller picture of, um, that's going to give them a bigger clue into what's going to be the right next step for them. And then there's that exploration phase of um, them taking the steps to have conversations with other people to explore to see what options are available. And then once they have that clearer picture, it's putting that together. And um, and this is the you know this is the part where they have to go and actually advocate for themselves. So to speak to their manager, to say, okay, this is what I'm curious about. This is what I love doing. Th- these are things I really don't enjoy. So if we if I can kind of cut back on some of those, that would be great. But ultimately, here's what I'm interested in. And then your leader is a little bit more, you know, empowered with that information to be able to help you to navigate. There's definitely a responsibility, of course, on both both sides. And it's going to be up to the leader and, you know, the direct reports to figure out who's responsible for what and what's going to be the best in that type. Because I've seen all kinds of different dynamics work in those types of situations. Also, the other thing I'm noticing more and more is that um, some of the leaders that are being appointed in those positions don't necessarily know or they're not very familiar with uh, the track that they direct reports on. So I have leaders who've never done the work that some of their direct reports have done. And they come to me and they're like, okay, I'm struggling with this because I don't know how to lead them with their career growth because I've never done that type of work. So in those types of cases, uh, and that's why I say it just depends on the situation. In those types of cases, they may need to lean a little bit more on Their direct report to come to them and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. And of course they're gonna have to do some homework themselves to figure out, okay, how do I help this person navigate when that's not my career path or my career track? So there's lots of different elements. Um, But when it comes to advocacy, I would say it starts with self-awareness, do your homework on all those different areas that I mentioned. And then get curious on what other you know possible options, and do your research, and reach out to people, um, get the information you need, so that you are empowered to have that conversation with your leadership. And at the end of the day, you know you're going to benefit. Like as a you know individual contributor, and you're looking to your leader to help guide you, you're going to benefit from doing that initial work because you're going to give them a little, a lot more clarity, and they're going to be you know more effective in helping you to figure that out and to navigate.
0: I think there's a lot of leaders that are comfortable with linear progression, but not yeah. necessarily what I like to call authentic progression, because you just mentioned it in, in a previous response, you acknowledge that people are no longer necessarily ascending ranks, but they're looking at different opportunities, maybe yeah. pivoting to something else. Those are the types of clients that I work with and coach career coaching or the people that are pivoting entirely different careers and the leaders don't necessarily know nor have connection to, which you just alluded to, other departments, other career paths. I spoke in one of the very first episodes this year about the importance of a leader to become an anchor or ambassador to pull their people along into different directions like that. What have you seen work well in those situations? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of things like from um, the leader's perspective that they can definitely do, even if they're kind of unfamiliar with, you know, what the options are. Um, The one is taking a coaching approach. So simply getting to know the, you know, the the person that you're trying to help um, navigate or you're trying to help them um, and guide them in the space. And so having more of a coaching approach and asking the right questions so that you can get more insight into what's going to be helpful for them. Um, I always recommend that as as a starting point. So because a lot of my leaders will come to me and say, okay, how do I figure out what they need? I'm like, okay, have you had a conversation with them? You know, let's talk about having a conversation and what that would look like, and how you can be prepared to have a conversation that's going to be really effective. So you have the information that you need. Um, And another part of this is the leaders have to take on this role of advocacy, like you said. I love the you know the way you put that. Um, they have to be empowered and they have to do the work that's needed so that they can then go and be ambassadors and you know, advocate for, for their, um, their people. Um, and so that might take you know, going into and exploring different areas for them and, and looking into different options that maybe they, they're unfamiliar with. Um, but that's really part of their, their job as a leader is to take the information and, and have as clear of a picture as they can get. Um, and then try to figure out, okay, who do I need to talk to? Do I need to talk to, to my leadership? Do I need to talk to my peers? Is it, you know, what, are, what are, how can I explore different options for this person so that I can be there in that role of, uh, of support and help them to navigate this? Um, a lot of times I've seen leaders also um, advocate for completely separate, uh, like different career paths, like almost create a new career path for, um, you know, for their direct reports, because they were empowered by having that conversation. They were like, oh, okay, I have enough information now to see how I can create a new path for you. And now I'm going to go and advocate on your behalf. And they would talk to HR and leadership or wherever it is and create a separate path just for that individual, because they knew how to get that, inform- you know, how to get the right information to be able to do that. Um, and I've seen that work really, really well also.
0: You've worked with a lot of very notable organizations, big Fortune 100 companies and, You've seen a lot of what goes well, and you've helped them to shape what goes well. The reality is leaders are wired to be problem solvers. If they're good leaders, they're people that want to put out fires. They want to get ahead of things. They want to be visionary. They want to be innovative. They want to be light if not loved and revered, and they want to set standards for other people. And that's all wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What is your biggest pet peeve? You don't need to name names. What's your biggest pet peeve in terms of companies you've seen leaders do time and again that you wish they would just stop doing because it's not empowering and it's not helping people on their career path. But they think it is. Like, what is the one thing that leaders think they're doing right, but they need to stop?
2: Mm. And this is so much in line with everything we've just been talking about. Probably one of my biggest pet peeves is making assumptions when it comes to how to help and support their their employees' um, career growth, right? So just feeling like, oh, if they want to progress in their career, then they need to just step it up. They need to make sure that they're checking all the boxes of performance. They need to come to me and tell me exactly what they need, and then I can help them at that point. But that's not how it works, right? If if you're a really effective leader, you need to be able to help and support them through that process And so so that they have what they need to be able to to then come to you and say, okay, these are the things that I, this is what I've done on my part. Now I need you to step in. Because I've seen so many times where leaders kind of make this assumption or they go to their team and they're like, no, it's up to you. You need to figure this Mm -hmm. out and then come to me. But... um, I, I mean, really, really, have I seen that work really well? Unless it's you know they're working with a team that is um, you know very autonomous and already is very clear on what they want and things like that, and then then it's fine. And having that kind of mentality of like, no, that's your career, your responsibility. You just tell me what you need. Um, oftentimes, I've seen that you know just fall flat. So it takes a little bit of coaching around that to to say, okay, you know, like what what would the ideal outcome be for you as a leader, right? It's to help them to help them feel. Like you are there to support them, and that they're actually making progress in the way that matters to them. So, okay, let's back into that. What can you do? What is your role here? Um, and then, how can you step into that um, a little bit more so that you're helping them navigate and not just expecting them to come up with all of the answers themselves? The other thing that they need to keep in mind is leaders have a different level of visibility, right? Than than they um, than their team members, and so they have a really key part to play in, in this, not just advocating on their behalf, they have a different level of visibility, they have access to different resources maybe, or they're in different circles, different meetings. There's a lot that they can do to help to you know to um, help their team members nav- navigate. Now, of course, I understand it's not 100% on the leader to, to figure this out, but at the same time, they have to take you know, some level of responsibility there in helping their direct reports and just not expect them to come up with this whole career plan themselves. Or even if that's the expectation, they need to be able to help guide them to figure that out and not just leave it up to them entirely.
0: And I don't think this was relative to COVID solely, but I do see a pattern forming of an awakening in people's eyes that it is okay. It is not complacent to want to just be paid well to do the job that you do. You don't want to advance passion for what it is I'm doing. I don't want to do anything more than be a project manager. Let's say maybe you make them a senior project manager or to your previous point, you make them a principal, but they're doing project work. And some leaders have been bred to believe that what you're doing, once you've created mastery in it, you should share it with everybody else. And that's not necessarily, not everybody's a coach, not everybody's a trainer, not everybody's a leader, like you said before. So what can you share about how leaders can still empower people that wish to stay in the same role, but be their best at it?
2: Oh, that is so great. And there's so many different ways to this. I coach on this quite a bit. Um, because there are a lot of people exactly like what you just described, who are perfectly fine, even from a financial standpoint. So they don't feel like they need to even get a promotion or they need to get a pay raise or anything like that. They're like, you know what, I've spoken with a lot of people that are in this kind of situation where they're like, I'm perfectly fine. Like, I don't really need to push myself to get to that next step or whatever it is, because really, there's a lot that's already working for me. And so when it comes to, uh, but we all do have this need, right, to feel like we're growing, we're developing, we're taking on new things and, and all of those kinds of things, but it doesn't necessarily need to look like a change in your title or your position or anything like that. It can simply be in other ways um, that makes sense for um, you know for your team members in terms of their own growth and development. Like, what does that mean to them when they think of developing in their career, even if they don't want to leave their current role? What does development look like to them? It could be taking on different types of projects, like right? exploring new new areas of the business, but still you know functioning in their role. It could be um, attending like conferences or learning or getting certified in certain areas. It, there's so many different things to explore where they don't necessarily have to have this big goal of you know uh, taking the next step in their career in terms of a uh, promotion or anything else, but they can. there's a lot of development opportunities even within that space. And I've seen this, I like that you brought up uh, project management. I've definitely seen this in project management um, as well. Where you know A lot of project managers are just perfectly fine, but what they do need in terms of um they you know the type of work that they do is some variety so they don't want to work on the same types of things they don't want monotonous work but they like the type of work that they're doing so there's so many different ways to go with that they can take on different types of projects they can work with new teams they can you know develop um in you know their project management skills they can teach a you know a a class if they want to do that they can teach others uh, you know or mentor others there's lots of different things that could really make a difference and matter to people when it comes to their own personal development but I love that you brought this up because it's very dangerous for leaders to make an assumption, right? That if you want to stay where you are, something's wrong, like something's not, <laughs> not right, even though you're doing you know well at the job you're doing. So that's not necessarily the case.
0: Exactly. I think that's how we were always raised in a professional mindset that you want to go up and to the right. You want to right. you know, raise the bar of what it is you do and share it with the world and be a leader and get up the ranks. But It was always seen as complacency or laziness or, you know, just not a great work ethic, even to stay in one place. It's not normal. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. But we're seeing it as more than norm. I would like to think it's because people feel stable. They feel comfortable. They feel like they can contribute. They know what their value is don't think it's a, it's a lack of wanting to do more necessarily. I think it's a realization of what they do well and what they enjoy doing. What happens, however, in situations where somebody does want to do something else and they do want to advance, maybe people that have aspirational goals, but they're not quite sure which direction to go in. What are some of the tips for leaders or things that you've seen executed particularly well to stimulate people's identification of what to do next.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of leaders that I've uh, that I've coached that do this really well to actually identify. Okay, what are some things that they could explore that will help them to make the right decision as far as their career goes. Um, And there's a couple of different ways that I've seen this done. Um, One is I've seen leaders who who give their direct reports opportunities for leadership, if that's something that they want to explore. So as an example, um, in like a three-month period or six-month period or whatever that time frame is they're like okay I'm going to give you more leadership responsibilities so that you can test it out and see if this is something that you you know you'd want to do so for example they would maybe mentor some team members or they would have um, responsibility of you know this temporary responsibility over a smaller team and and so the you know the leader that I'm coaching would will help and coach them through that time period and then they would you know kind of check in with them and then at the end of the whatever their time frame is they would check in and say okay you know what is it that you that you really enjoyed is this something that you would like to explore or maybe there's something else you know uh, maybe you just want to go back to the the type of work you were doing before and you feel like this is not the right fit so giving them that flexibility and the psychological safety in the space is so important right because the last thing you want is to set your team member up to to do something. And then they were really afraid to come back to you and say, oh, but this is not, like I appreciate it, but this is not really what I want. So just making sure that you're creating that safe environment so that they feel like they can give you honest feedback and they can come back to you and say, okay, this is working, this is not. Um, The other thing I've seen leaders do really, some some of my leaders do really well is um, if there's other areas of the business that their team members want to explore, um, then speaking with other leaders to say, okay, what needs to happen? So when you're looking to hire within your team, what are you looking for so that, you know, they can further develop the person that they're working with and um, to make sure that they're aligned with those other opportunities that they're really interested in. or what opportunity can you give somebody in my team who's interested in your area so that they can start to get a sense or get a feel for what that, that um, you know, work would look like. And a lot of times they will, uh, you know, they'll uh, set up a conversation like, okay, if, if you're interested in um, working in, I don't even know, I'm trying to think of, a, of an example, but just a completely different, you know, uh, different part of the business. Um, let's set you up with a manager, you know, who can kind of talk you through and tell you what it uh, what it would be like, or even somebody who's working in that specific role. Have conversations with them, see what a day in the life would be like, and and ask you know the, the questions that will help you to figure out if that's the right fit for you. So I've seen a lot of leaders like kind of think outside the box, right, when it comes to to this, so that they can give their um, team members exposure to these different areas, so that the team members are more empowered to to figure that out. That was
0: something that we had at a previous company when I was still in the corporate world, we had this sort of speed dating thing at a national meeting. It was one hour where the leads of each department sat at a table and you had a list of which each department was, and you had a five minute window to sit down, introduce yourself, find out more about the jobs, the, the roles that they had, see what transferable skills could be applied. And this was for people that were one to two to three years tenure with an organization that were in good standing that wanted to really see what else was a part of the company. And I thought it was a unique way to get people to stay versus looking for greener pastures. One of my pet peeves leads me to my next question, which is, Oftentimes, and this has happened excessively since pandemic, where people have gone to different companies, where people have come in with a great deal of experience and they were on a career path at a previous company. Mm -hmm. And now they're at a new company, maybe in the same industry, but new management, new company, new products, new Mm -hmm. culture. And there's this propensity to start from ground Right, that's great what you did back there, but now you've got to come here and prove yourself. And to some degree, I agree with that. But forgetting all of the great, robust experience that somebody comes in with, that's my pet peeve is that as a leader, you need to propagate that. You need to share it, shout it from the rooftops. Hey, we're bringing in Sharissa. She comes in with over 15 years' experience in org development, and she's been a TEDx speaker and all of these things. You worked hard for that. You don't want that to, you know, stay at the door. You want it to come in the door with you. So how can leaders emulate that? How can they propagate that sort of thing?
2: yeah, that's a really great question. I, I definitely see this happening um, a lot. and there needs to be that balance between the two. Yes, there's some you know there needs to be um, some understanding of the current environment and, and what's possible and what's not and all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, like you said, you don't want to lose that the valuable experience that you got that would be so beneficial in so many ways to your new opportunity. So I think a, a lot of um, and actually one of the things that could be really helpful is early on, so you know when a, a leader first hires somebody um, from the outside in, somebody who has a ton of experience, it's just highlighting for them why they why that, you know, that hire was made in the first place and say, okay, these are the things that really stood out to me about you. So I would love to see, you know, how we can figure out a way together where you can continue to add value in these areas. Because I think you have so much to to bring and I want to learn from you. So the leader being humble enough to say, okay, I want to learn from you. I want to know, like, based on your experience and what you've done in the past and also putting uh, situations and, um, you know, and and helping them to, um, helping that leader to then, um, have the perspective, like a new perspective, right? Of somebody coming in that has a different, a different background, all of those things. And think, okay, here's what we're facing right now. Based on your experience, um, you know, what do you see that maybe we're missing? How can you come? Because like, we all, when we come in from the outside in, we have a different perspective, right? We see things a little bit differently. Sometimes we see things that are obvious that people that have been working there for a while don't see. Uh, and I've seen this happen even in my in my own experience. There were a lot of times where I would start a new company and I'd be sitting in a meeting, going, "Wait, why are we talking? Like, do they not see this? Why are we not?" talking about you know like one question that could change everything in that meeting and they're just going in circles and I've done that many times I've been new to a company I'm like okay I'm I'm new here but just you know from listening in I'm just curious about this and all of a sudden they're like oh we didn't think about it like that. <laughs> and so just uh, from the person's perspective not to undervalue the the experience they bring and not to just sit back and go okay so I need to learn about this company I need to kind of get up to speed I need to prove myself as well. Before I can provide value, no, you do. You can do that from day one. And from a leader's perspective, to encourage that from the beginning and to make sure that that person is set up for success, so not just encouraging it with you know encouraging them one on one, but to make sure that you're setting that person up for success by um, introducing them to other people, making those introductions, letting people know who this person is, what they bring to the table, how they can.
0: Some people call it concierge. Some people call it white gloves. Some people call it red carpet, but but I call it one of the best experiences I ever had. And this is probably why that whole thing is such a puppet for me, because I've been On the brunt end of it, where people just completely forgot what I brought to the table and just wanted me to do what they wanted me to do. But the white glove service, the the red carpet was rolled out for me when one of my companies was acquired and I was brought over and it was the gentleman that had the role that I had in a previous company. And he wasn't sure if I would stay, but he knew he needed me to stay because I had all the products. We were bringing all the products over. They had purchased us. And he brought me around for two or three days to the individual team leads, product leads, heads of state, because he wanted to share my background. He wanted to show our solidarity. And he was very self-deprecating he used to say phrases like she's more way more experienced than I do. I'm going to be leaning on her a lot, but I want you to feel comfortable to go to her and not have to go through me and mm-hmm. made me feel really welcome. But I can't think of a time where I was more empowered in my career. It yeah. was truly career pathing at its best from day one. And I have always appreciated that. So I, I appreciate your your observations in that as well. How can people work with you? What, what is the ideal client? How do they reach you? Yeah. What does that look like?
2: Um, yes, yeah, so I'm my ideal client would be um, corporate leaders. So anyone that works in like medium to large size uh, companies. And I work with um, compassionate driven leaders who are just have a passion to make an impact, to make a difference and who are very like servant-minded, servant leadership-minded where they really have a passion to help their teams as well. And um, so those are, that would be kind of an ideal client for me. And so um, my website is leadershipmasteryalliance.com. And I've got a, a free, what I call um, a leadership legacy um, roadmap session where, you know, if, if uh, any of the listeners want to take me up on this, you're more than welcome to have a free session with me where I will help you to figure out, um, first of all, on where you are and what it is that, that's going to bring you that sense of performance and joy in your career, and then to kind of map it out. So I'll help you to, to walk away from that call with uh, knowing exactly the areas that you really need to focus on that's going to give you the most chance of success. So if they and if you want to take me up on that, you're more than welcome to go to leadershipmasteralliance.com slash schedule, and uh, that's where you can book that call. Thanks, Andrea.
0: Highly recommend that for leaders in these mid to large size companies. They need all the help they can get. We're cooling job market, a looming recession. A lot of people are gonna to have to figure out how to keep and retain good talent and be really choiceful about the roles they don't freeze. For backfill, I I still think we're going to have a robust job market more so than we have in previous recessions, but I thank you for your insight today because it helps people realize there is still very much career potential within the house of companies, even in a recession, even in difficult times. Very empowering to hear an expert like yourself. What would you like to leave our listeners with today, perhaps leaders that need to empower others on their career path?
2: that i that i would love to share um i think for for leaders one of the things that i i always tell it's almost like that analogy of the oxygen mask right with and it's the same with leadership because a lot of the leaders that i work with are so compassionate and they want to help and they want to do everything that they can but sometimes they don't remember to put the oxygen mask on themselves first <laughs> and to make sure that they are really aligned with what they're doing and that they're doing the right things to take care of themselves so that they can be in a better position to help and Um, And support their, you know, their teams. And so that's a lot of what I coach my leaders on like, okay, are you okay? Like, are you in the best possible position to have some of these conversations and to do the work that you need to do? And if not, just kind of check in with yourself, right? What's, you know, what's working? Again, I go back to what I was talking about before, like what's working, what's not? How can you take care of yourself so that you're better equipped to take care of your team and the people that you have responsibility over?
0: Well, I want to thank you, Sharissa, because this is well-timed. Again, we're heading into the final months of the year. This is when we start to think about performance reviews and think about career path and what does the future look like for individuals. I think you've shed a lot of insight for our leaders out there and highly recommend leaders getting in touch with you to work with you. Thank you so much for being on 52 Weeks.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks, Andrew. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. And thanks listeners. We will catch up with you next week. Same time, same place, even more power.